Hello and welcome back to Ads for Success podcast number nine. Hello and welcome to Ads for Success podcast with me, Amanda Perry, agency owner, e-com coach, small business cheerleader and Facebook ads super geek. This podcast is full of real life advice from pulling back the curtains on my agency, seeing firsthand what's working right now in the world of ads. I'll be bringing you interviews from econ brands that are smashing it right now and hearing from the brains behind them how you can too. Full of practical advice, actionable tips and straight talking, no nonsense help to improve your econ store, your bottom line and just maybe your life. Stick around and let me show you how. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you enjoy the episode, please do leave a review as it helps others find us. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. Welcome back to Ads for Success podcast with me, Amanda Perry. I am so happy today to be joined by Lucy Greenwood from Lucy and Yak. So Lucy and Yak are the purveyors of the comfiest, most colourful dungarees. And if you've been on Instagram at all recently, you'll definitely have seen someone wearing them and shouting about them from the rooftops. They've found huge online success over the past two years. So I asked Lucy to come on the show and tell us all about the journey. And I'm delighted to say that she agreed. So hi, Lucy. Hi. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. I know you've had one hell of a couple of last years, and I know that the audience will be really interested to hear all about it. So before we go any further, do you want to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, so um, my name is Lucy. I co-founded Lucy and Yak with my partner, Chris. Uh, back in 2017 so we've just we've just had our second birthday actually uh, our second birthday was in July this year and yeah so we make dungarees as our main thing but we do make other things as well but at the core of what we do is um, dungarees and we make them sustainably uh, ethically we work really closely with all our partners in India and um, our story actually started out quite differently to a lot of brands in that we didn't we didn't work with a factory that was already up and running and already, you know, um, up to a level that you need them to be at. We actually found a guy that we, um, you know, we clicked with and then helped him to develop his business. So our businesses have kind of grown side by side. So it's an interesting story. And yeah, everything's going really well. It's going really well. Yeah. That's incredible. So just did you have a background in any of this? I know you were kind of traveling and decided to knock some clothes together, didn't you, and sell <laughs> yeah, them, yeah. but did you actually have a background in this? No, so it's a really funny story. I was just telling this to a friend just this weekend. All right, so yeah, um, back about 12 years ago, I went to university to do a business fashion degree, um, and I didn't end up doing anything with it. I, I left university thinking, I hate fashion, I hate the industry. <laughs> I want nothing to do with it um, and a lot of my friends moved to London got jobs in fashion and I moved further north I moved up to Newcastle to get uh, as far away from fashion as I could <laughs> and, and so it's really funny actually that now I've ended up you know 12 years later like with a clothing brand and I just I, I was kind of shocked when I think back I'm like maybe I was always destined for it but 
it wasn't something that I'd, you know, when I left university, I just stayed, stayed away from it. So I've had no experience within the industry. I can't remember anything from university. Um, That's incredible. You know, you know, the only thing I actually remember, and I tell this to all my friends now, is that I remember an ethics class. They were just starting to do ethics classes back then where they were telling us about sweatshops and they showed us um, a documentary of a sweatshop in China and that always stuck with me. And I think that might be the only thing that I've kind of took from that 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 whole three years I was there. Yeah. It was that if I was going to do it, I was going to do it in an ethical way. That's so amazing, though, that you've achieved what you've achieved and grown the way you have without having that kind of um, traditional route in, I yeah. guess, of, you know, interning and then climbing up the ladder and then doing your own label. I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Incredible. And maybe you wouldn't have achieved what you had if you had gone in that way because you'd have hated it even more, I uh, guess. Yeah, you? that's it. Now, so I work with different people in the industry now. We work with a few consultants that like advisors on different things and a lot of them will say, you know, I'm always like, how do we do this? What's the best way of doing it? They're like, there is no, don't listen to us. There's only your, yes. you've done this for two years. Everything's going great. And, you know, the reason it's probably going great is because you're not following any rule book. So Exactly. Yeah. And isn't it great that we can do that now? Yeah, like we've got all the tools at our fingertips that we can actually make up our own rules. Yeah, definitely. It's amazing. So you just touched on it briefly, but you've grown incredibly big, incredibly quickly. Like two years is just, most people are just kind of finding their feet at that stage. Yeah. But I think the thing that I most admire about about the brand and the company is like the ethical side of it, which you've just touched on. Yeah. But but really how you've maintained that through the growth where a lot of companies would be looking at like cutting corners and, you know, keeping those bottom lines healthy. Can you tell us about, you know, how that important, how important that is and why you've kept that at the, the core of everything you do? Yeah. So, I mean, for us, it's a funny thing because when we started, you know, we weren't planning on building a brand. We just went to India and got some dungarees made and you know had no real idea of what we wanted a brand to be and if you know a brand wasn't even in our head and I think as it it took off so quickly my cousin who works in marketing said to me a few months in she was like you've got an ethical brand you need to tell people and yeah like, is it is it what does that even mean and she was like well you know you're paying the workers right like most people this is what everyone's talking about and I'm like okay so then like I started looking into it more and I was like because it was funny for us we were when we were looking for somebody to make clothing for us we weren't looking to try and you know, sell a marketing story. We were looking to to actually find somebody that we enjoyed spending time with, that we enjoyed working with, that, you know, we could, because we, we love traveling. So our main goal was how can we keep traveling and how can we have a job that, that means we've got to travel? So, yeah. so then, you know, we worked with like eight different tailors or something in this town where Ishmael's from. Ishmael's the guy we've ended up working with and he, like all of the other tailors, it just wasn't, there was something just not right. And a lot of them were saying to us, like there's this big market street and, and a lot of the tailors who work on this market, they've all, they all own shops and they've got a sewing machine in their shop. So it looks like they're making the garments, but actually once you place an order with them, it goes out to these bigger factories um, further afield. So you, you don't actually get to see those factories. Some of them we asked right. them to go and see and they were like, they wouldn't let us. And I don't think it, they wouldn't let us necessarily for um, ethical reasons. I think it's more they're worried that you're going to cut them out of the process. So yeah, they're yeah. making their which is to completely fair enough. Totally understand that. But then that meant that we couldn't ever get to meet the workers. So we were like, it was funny how that started. And we didn't know that that's what we were looking for originally. But when people were telling us we couldn't go and see the workers, we were like, well, actually, that's really important to us. We can't do that without. Yeah. 
So, so we kind of kept turning them down and we'd almost gave up because, you know, we weren't necessarily going to do that. We're like, if it happens, we'll, we'll do it. But then we were in this hotel and the, the chef in the hotel asked us, you know, what are you doing in this area anyway? And we were like, oh, we're looking for somebody to make clothes for us, but we've not had much luck. And he's like, my brother's a tailor. Why didn't you come out to my village tomorrow? I'll take you. It's like 10 kilometers wow. from here. And that turned out to be Ishmael. <laughs> and, um, oh, that's insane. That's so yeah. crazy. <laughs> and, you know, it was one of those moments where you're like, instantly when we met him and I, I never believe in like fate or things happen for a reason I've never been one for believing stuff like that but you know when when we met him we were like wow this is the guy because he just yeah he just got such a kindness about him and you could just tell that I could tell he was different there was something different about him and you know he was working with two of his friends and they had a really nice little setup where they Ishmael was kind of the business owner but they worked really well together so the, there was two tailors and then Ishmael's job was to go out and find the work for them. And then he would also do the, the pattern cutting. So he'd make the initial sample. He'd got the skill to kind of make something from scratch. And then he'd do the cutting out of the fabric and then he'd pass it on. They'd do the tailoring. And then they'd get 50% and he'd get 50%. So so he split everything 50-50, but he covered all of the bills. Wow. Uh, amazing. And so we were like, this is incredible because we it, it just meant that we could do what we wanted to do without having to kind of encourage someone else to be better. It was like, he's already been amazing. Like all we need to do is make sure that we pay him a fair price. And we know that we know that if we pay Ishmael this much, the tailors will get exactly 50% of that. Yeah. And, and I guess you've seen their business grow hugely as, yeah. as yours has grown hugely, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. It's been, um, you know, Ishmael always says that, he said, because uh, in India, they're very, very religious. And he says, he always says to us, you know, he said, the day before you came, I prayed, I prayed for good work. He said, and then now oh. I, have, I have 70 workers and lots of work. And it's all- wow. <laughs> so is that, is that what's happened? They, they've literally just grown in kind of bodies as you've, yeah. as you've grown in size. Yeah. So what's been, what's been the challenging thing has that, so when it set off, there's just three of them and then it quickly became five of them and 10 of them and, you know, wow. we didn't have any space. There was because it, because it's a small village as well. It's like there's it's not really set up for a manufacturing uh, setup. Yeah. It's like little small rooms that you can rent and things. But so we had to like kind of rent this bigger room, and it's still it, within a month or so. It was too small again, and this happened again. And we got like fabric stuff. People in the village were amazing. Like all of Ishmael's family, people are storing fabric in their attics, and it was, just, like, it was everywhere. The checkers in one area, the cutters are in another area, the tailors, are in, and everyone's like really fragmented and kind of the whole business is all over this village rather than all in one building. And then. Um, you know, it grew to, I think we were at 20 tailors and it was like, right, we're busting at the seams here. And we were the same in the UK. We were in a unit that we were busting at the seams. And yeah, it was, um, but it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And uh, we ended up like, um, so then Ishmael was like, there's this little bit of land that's next to my um, uncle's house. Um, it's, it's our land, he said, but we've, you know, never had any plans for it. Why don't we build a factory? And we were like, okay, let's do it. Like, we'll, we'll lend you the money. And so we were kind of like, he lent some money from the market and we lent him a bit of money and, and then we've paid it back together. And it's sort of like, it's just, we've got this factory now that houses 45 tailors plus all the other wow. in the check-in and different things. So now there's about 70 
but that's busting at the seams now. So we're he's in the process of building another one. So there's going to be two units next to each of those. But that's inc- what, not just extending, <laughs> building a whole other. Yeah. So the the first factory that we built is it's not it's not a big factory when you think factory you might think huge, but it's it's just a building that like it's on three floors. It manages to house everybody, and then he's moved on to buy a bit of a bigger land a little bit further down the road which um, we're going to have all the tailors in, in. That'll just be a one-story building with all the tailors. And then the other building will be more like admin and things like that. So it's kind of like, there'll be two separate buildings, but most of the work will be going on in one of them for tailoring. And then the office stuff will be going on in another. So it's kind of like, yeah, we're just having... That's incredible, though. So that's like, when you think of how most people, I'm saying like most people in air quotes, but if people, a lot of people who go into business now, they're like, right, I need to find an overseas supplier that will do it, you know, for the cheapest price. And they'll go to Turkey or wherever and go, no, sorry, he can do it for a quid cheaper. You know, kind of play that game or all this outsourcing where they're like, I just don't want to do it. You know, find the cheapest person you've you've kind of done the op, you know, you've led with your heart, haven't you? Yeah. Rather than your kind of purse strings. Yeah. Because do you know what? I think for us, it's like every day we've had meetings with other, cause we have, had, we are, we have started working with some of the factories for more specialist stuff that, that is, cause some factories are really specialist in Jersey. Some are more wovens. So yeah. You don't tend to have the same stuff made at the same factories. So when yeah. we've started adding sweaters and fleeces and things, we're getting them made at different factories and, We've still found suppliers that we um, that we enjoy working with, and that, you know, they're ethical and their practices are sustainable. But we we um, they're just not as it's just not as fun, you know. Like we, whenever we go out to India to see Ishmael, it's like going out to see family. Whereas with the others, it's like it's just it's you know that we it's just business. it's business. But we we have found ones that we do enjoy spending time with, and it is a little bit more than that. It is becoming a friendship, but there is just something so different about how we've done it with Ishmael. You know, we were there. For, That's amazing. We were there how often? How often do you get out there, Lucy? How often so do you go and visit them? Well, the first year it was quite regular, and then this year it's not been as often. So, but we try at least a couple of times a year because it, like I say, it's still growing, and because. Ishmael's background has never really been running an organization of that size he's needed some support as well and kind of getting getting the quality right it's been quite tricky because prior to prior to working with us he was making stuff for sort of the Indian markets where tourists will buy you know one pound t-shirts from or yeah skirt from so it's the quality difference is is vastly different so um so you know we've we've had some quality issues in the early stages which all of our customers were absolutely amazing about um and yeah we've just so we have to kind of spend a lot of time out there with him kind of fixing any any issues that arise rather than just kind of blaming him and saying you fix it we always work together to find the solution so that you know some days it's been frustrating some days you're like why did I do this? Why am I not just with a manufacturer that's got the setup, that's got everybody in place that, you know, would make my life easier. But it's just, if we did that, it would. It wouldn't be the same. You wouldn't have the, you wouldn't have the, I know you haven't done it for the brand story, but you wouldn't have that thing. It just ties everything together, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it just, it's that thing of like, you know, we weren't in it because we, like necessarily love clothing we weren't in it because we have a business you know we did it because we love traveling and we love spending time in different countries and I think there's no point in us doing something and then having to just sit in awful business definitely particularly enjoy it's more fun when you've got to go in and get your hands dirty and actually definitely figure out the problems together and you know enjoy spending time with each other so 
Yeah, I bet you haven't travelled much over the last two years, though, have no. you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that'll come. <laughs> Yeah, plenty of time for that. So you touched on it briefly there about when you had quality issues and your customers and stuff, but you have literally the most incredible brand ambassadors. You can't, you know, my audience, I have a Facebook group and when I told them I was speaking to you, like they were just so excited. (laughs) People just love your products, like the colors and the comfiness and all that kind of thing. Obviously you don't get that without an amazing product and customer service, but was the brand ambassador thing part of like like a planned growth strategy or was it just an amazing byproduct of having this great product yeah I think it was it definitely wasn't planned (laughs) nothing's ever been planned and I think you know people ask me now for marketing advice and I'm like you just need to be genuine don't stop thinking about marketing plan it's like what do you believe in and 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 kind of put that that's what you need to put out there because if you just look at it like a marketing plan it, it becomes in genuine and so like for I think really early on this was while we were still in India we'd photograph the first dungarees and I think we'd posted we must have posted some out to customers already and they started tagging us in photos like a, a couple of photos dropped in and I was like and I, you know we'd not got any idea of doing a, a, a photo shoot we were still planning on staying in India for another four months or something because we were still on holiday and I was like I was like, this is amazing though, look at this, the customers are, are, are sending us photos, so I was like, how can we get more of these? So we, we put the, um, so we put a, a, we originally started doing a competition where like we'll pick our five favourite photos every month and give a £25 gift voucher. Um, yeah. And that was really early on when I was like, £25 gift voucher was a lot of money like for us to give away, do you know what I mean? I was like, we haven't got any money, but let's try it. <laughs> Um, and it was incredible like the the people were just tagging us in the photos and I don't know if that like meant that we got more photos or whether people were just going to do it anyway because we like still now we get tagged in like just you know 20 30 maybe even 40 photos a day um that's amazing and and so and I think just from keep resharing that content and I think our Instagram page has always been you know really heavily customers you know, maybe maybe twenty percent model photos and eighty percent customer photos, and I think people just love to see themselves and see real people. Of course, they do. Yeah, and see and see that the the support that they're giving you and the money they're spending with yeah. you is like, you know, appreciated almost, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it really is see that and I think I think a lot of the kind of um markets that I deal with and client people that I deal with are the indie business owners it seems to have particularly struck a chord with creative indie business owners doesn't it I don't know I'm sure there's other niches but that's the the niche I'm kind of in and you know people have like one of every color yeah yeah (laughs) they're certainly becoming collectibles definitely yeah and they sort of have you know you see people getting a bit catty oh you've got that color I want that color (laughs) (laughs) bit of a competition no it's incredible and they sell out um yeah it's I've seen them people selling them on for like double what they paid for them really amazing I was reading somewhere that was saying that you know like our generation really likes um, they, they don't necessarily look to a product in just do I like it they look at it and go does it have a high resale value will I, will it will it still be worth something when I finish wearing it and can I sell it on and wow I think I didn't like I found this out later but I'm like I think doing the limited editions is is creating that 
that resale value for them. It's made, yeah. you can, you know, you know that actually there was only a few hundred made and they've sold out now. So I can probably sell it on when I finish with it for, yeah. for it or the same. <laughs> I'd like everyone Which to put... or less. <laughs> Yeah, but from from a from a sustainability point of view, that's incredible, exactly, isn't yeah. it? For you, for your ethics and stuff. Yeah. yeah, no, that's great. So when your sort of story on your website, you talk about um, sitting on a, a beach in New Zealand, putting some products <laughs> together and stuff. Yeah. I'm sure that that was about three years ago, wasn't it, or was yeah. that even longer? Yeah, so that was okay. probably about three and a half years ago. Yeah. So when you think back to that time, let's say that was kind of where, you know, the idea started. I know the business as a business has been going two years, yeah. but how how does that, even looking at the last two years, how does that time feel to you looking back on it? How does that kind of growth feel to the, the founder? It feels crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Some days you're like, we, we try and stop and be like, what happened? Because like, it, 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 it's one of those things where... You, you, you know, we look back at that time because when I was in New Zealand, and New Zealand is still my um, my favorite place in the world. Mine too. They're just so different that it's hard to compare the two. But, but the, it's one of those places where I'm like, I'd like to live there one day. And Same. really, and it's on, oh yeah, I love it. It just really taught us to slow down and enjoy life and stop worrying about things. And it was when we were there that we, you know, I, I, we went out with very little money and I was going to get a job and I got a job for a few weeks and I, I was like I did not come here to, to work <laughs> that is not what I'm doing here so then that's when we started making the, the pouches and I was like let's just try and make some money like doing something that's nice and enjoyable and, and then we we were kind of just living day to day and we had very little money and we didn't need a lot but we were like we'd just sell one or two of those pouches and that would pay for our food that day and it just became so enjoyable that and we got used to living on so little that we I was like I want to live in a community I'm going to go and live and I'm not going to I'm not going to have a job and I'm going to you know, <laughs> go and live off the land that was like I was like really happy I'm going to a hippie and I was just like but it was funny all of that and that's where I was at we you know before I went to India I spent six months in a meditation center and oh, wow. volunteering yeah and like all of this kind of like then I think it was really, it's one of those crazy things where if you stop trying, like, just something happens. And it was like, we'd kind of gone, we're not going to work, like, like for anybody else again. We're just going to, we only need a few hundred quid to get by each week. We can travel around India. We can travel around countries that are a bit cheaper where we don't need a lot of money to get by and just keep coming back to the UK to earn a little bit of money every now and then. And then that plan, so so I always tell people people that Lucy and Yak is actually plan B. Plan A, we're on a desert <laughs> island somewhere and um, I know yeah so so how does that match up because you've gone from that to almost accidentally being you know I don't want to kind of get into the nitty-gritty but you're making a lot of money yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. how do you how does that all kind of fit in and 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 the thought of almost that being an accident you know a lot of people are out there slogging their yeah. guts and you can see that they're kind of hitting the the wrong note every time you know and that it's not quite happening so yeah. the idea that it was almost an accident for you is just incredible isn't it yeah and I think I think it's one of those things is if you try too hard at something you, you don't reach it like I, I think when people set out in business from from 
what if you look at like people that have done well in business they never say that they were trying to become a millionaire they weren't trying to become rich they weren't trying to they would they just had an idea that they thought this is amazing let's do that or they felt really yeah. passionately about a particular thing but it was never money like i think if you if you chase the money then you the rest is not going to follow because it's not it's not a, um it's not a, so i suppose a i don't know it's just not a really like thing to aim for is it? it's like, like money is not the end goal like what are we no. trying to do here what's the and i think for us, it's funny because even now, you know, we, I mean, the, the business is still in the growth stages, so it still eats all of the money that comes back in. It's like, it's like we, we just keep reinvesting all of it back into it. And, you know, we still pay ourselves very little. And, and I keep going, where do, where's the ceiling with this? And where do we want, because people keep asking us, where do we want the business to go? How big do we want it to get? And we're like, we have no, like, set thing for that. Because if it stays at this size, amazing. If it gets bigger amazing but either way I'm, we're, we're not going to take you know ourselves we're not going to need that much more money than we need right now so yeah it's one of those things where I'm like what would we then do with that like we and, and so then I think for us we'll, we're definitely going to start looking into what we can spend the money on is it is it as Lucy and Yak gets gets to a level where it's not just eating all the money you know it doesn't need to keep reinvesting back in mm-hmm. a ceiling what can we do now the money's building up in the in the business bank account what can we start doing and then we can start looking at projects that we can maybe get behind you know what can we give back what charities can we work with and I think that's going to be our next sort of I would say year, by the end of year three we'll be in a pretty stable position and we'll we've definitely got potential of having to buy a warehouse soon which is going to cost us a fortune <laughs> um, yeah so there's all these things where you're like there's a lot coming in but there's a there's a lot going out as well and it's like it's keeping that balance but we also it's just it's one of those things where we someday I'm like what is it that's even like driving this and it just seems to be it just goes by itself it's like you almost can't stop it if you want to <laughs> but that's a it's a great product it is, isn't it, yeah. it is, and that that's the crux of it it's like doing something properly rather than like you say going for the money yeah. you can't you couldn't spend 16 hours a day doing something that you hate just because it's making you money can you no no because it, it's it's silly I mean like now when we you know we have a, a crazy day on sales I look at the numbers and I'm like they're just numbers on a screen they don't mean anything yeah but, but, but what it does but what does mean something is when you hear a customer saying um you know these dungarees have changed my life because uh, because of them yeah and like we've had so many customers that have said that you know they've got illnesses that meant that um I don't fully understand um the illness but like they've got different illnesses where they're they're really sensitive um to different fabrics and they can't wear things yeah. tight and and you know, it just never, when we were starting out, it just never even crossed my mind that, that a dungaree could change someone's life. And it's like, it's incredible. And people are sort of saying that they've never had a product that they felt like they could just, that feels like them. Yeah. It's just not something we, like I say, when we started out, that was, we were just like, dungarees are cool, let's make something new. And, and it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, wow, it's changed, you know, it's maybe changed workers' lives. And that maybe was one of the goals, but thinking of customers and changing customers lives was like something that we just never even thought about and yeah this massive community now of people that like feel like they're a part of something and that's just amazing yeah it's amazing lots of new mums as well I see lots of new mums wearing them saying they've they feel like it really sort of you know they don't have to wear tight jeans or something that's so comfy around the kind of mum tum area yeah no it's amazing that looks awful like you know 
not everyone wants to wear joggers like all the time yeah it's like a, it's almost like an like a cool alternative to wearing like joggers because <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. But it's, it's, I mean, they're instantly identifiable, aren't they? You wouldn't yeah. look at it and think, oh, where are they from? I mean, you know, unless you don't, haven't come across the brand before. But yeah. even if you hadn't, you'd be like, wow, where are they from? Yeah, <laughs> they're so different, like yeah. the colours. And... Yeah, that's what I've heard from people that, like, they've never, ever had people come up to them and ask them where something's from. But in a, some people in one day are having, like, five people coming up and asking where they're doing it from. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? I mean, who needs marketing when it will? <laughs> Which is is my next question, actually. Obviously, mm. we touched on like the brand ambassadors and that kind of thing. So your your customers spreading the word for you. But apart from that, I think I know the answer to this from speaking to you for twenty minutes. But what is your broad marketing approach or strategy? Well, to be honest, right, we haven't really got one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might be the answer. <laughs> but we do spend a bit of money on paid advertising. You know, we do we do. Um, we do push adverts on Instagram and, and Facebook, but I wouldn't say there's a, a massive plan. But that, saying that, we have just um, we have just taken on a, a lovely woman called Amra, who's started on our marketing department, who is kind of going to bring it all together for us because it's a bit fragmented at the minute. And when you know when you're not sure from from my perspective, yeah. I'm like, are we putting the right message out there? Are we getting everything across that we want to get across? You know, can you tell that the brand's ethical just from looking at the Instagram page? Probably not. It's, yeah. it's like how do we get all those messages across and it, it was we're kind of at that point now in the business where we need to needed to start taking on people that you know know more than we know about particular areas um, yeah that's that's been a, a new challenge in itself and, and still will continue to be and same with the product you know we've there's a lot wrong with the sizing um, our sizing is not consistent when you look at all of our different products the sizing is really inconsistent um, because we've been letting factories do the grading because me and Chris don't have a technical background. But yeah. now we've um, we've took on a, a production manager and she's a garment tech as well. So she's she's working hard to get through the entire range to kind of like grade everything properly. So there's like marketing, we've got somebody kind of just about to take the reins and kind of get that all under control. Still with a lot of input from me and Chris, obviously, but we want to, what we found the last two years is that our, our time you end up stuck in the trenches and your time ends up getting spent yeah. on silly things that you're like, why am I doing this? Like, there's so much I need to be out there doing. And, you know, we've still got a lot of work to do on factories and stuff in India. So we want to focus on that now that we've got some people here that we can trust to kind of lead the way on marketing and the product. And then we can sort of, because I think our passion lies within the supply chain, which supply chains are very complex, very hard to, yeah, very hard to kind of trace every little bit of it. And I think, one day, you know, maybe five years down the line, we'd love to be able to say that we have got traceability on every single, every single button, every single thread, you know, everything that we do, and um, there's traceability throughout it all. So, so we've got a lot to do on that, but then that also comes into how we then let everybody know about that through marketing, how we've been actually, what we've been up to, because that's another thing. There's so much that we do behind the scenes that we just don't show anybody. And I'm like, people would love to see this stuff. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're just too busy to kind of stop and go someone take a photo of this or someone get a video of this it just that's it isn't it it's that stu- that yeah. that everyday sort of storytelling stuff is so hard to get across when you're so busy it isn't really it? is and you're in a bad mood and you're like oh, yeah i my face <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god, what an amazing job you've done. You should be so proud. So so in terms of paid ads, I know I've seen a few of your paid ads. So yeah. are you mainly using those for retargeting or are you out going out to cold traffic? How does that how do you know how that works or is that someone else um, that's no, kind no, of dealing with that? Someone else who does that. But I, I know that we we do retarget and we, we do a bit of both. Um I yeah. do know that like um since I, I do know that, like, personally, me and Chris would like to not advertise as much um, on Facebook and Instagram. We would like to start spending time doing things that are more organic, you know, like spending the yeah. budget on events, uh, pop-ups and things like that, because I think for it's worked for us for now, which is great, while we've not really had the time to do all those other things and not really had the team to back us up on those other things. But now that we're starting to get that team in place, it would be we would love to be doing a pop-up tour next year, you know, going around the country and, and spend the marketing budget on that as opposed, to, as opposed to giving it to, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> no one likes to give their money to him. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to. And it's one of those things where you're like, why am I handing all that money over there? But it's like a... This is the, this is the thing, isn't it? If it's part of a strategy and it's part of your, right, we don't have time to do these events now. We're going to use some paid ads yeah. to, to kind of get us through this growth period until this point. Yeah. That's that's still, you know, that's okay, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course it is. It's a, it's it's one of those things that I think I would definitely recommend doing it for a young brand. Even you can spend so little, you can just boost a post for like 10, 20 yeah. pounds. And I think it it's nice to just test it. And I remember when I first tested it, I had no idea what I was doing. And I clicked, I clicked boost. I was like, Chris went, I went, look what I've done. I've, I've got two sales. And Chris said, how'd you do that? I was like, I don't know, I just pressed this button on this <laughs> it was you know our marketing manager gets but just better than what now it doesn't cost a tenner for two sales <laughs> but it's like i know i could i bet <laughs> but originally i was like you know it, it worked and i think people are sometimes a little bit scared to spend that money and i think that's one thing that me and chris have always you know we've always just if there's money there, we just throw it at it and rather than trying to keep any yeah. ourselves to, you know, sometimes what happens is I, I get a little bit, I'm a bit tight because I'm from Yorkshire. My dad's really tight. You know that. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a real tight Yorkshireman. And even now he, he phones me up sometimes. I was laughing the other day. He phoned me because um, one of the women in the, one of the seamstresses in the warehouse bought a light off somebody for £30. She went, does, he, does she have um, she got the okay just to go and buy whatever she wants. Like, I'm like, that it's £30. <laughs> we can afford it. Oh, my God. That's, that's the Yorkshireman through the show, isn't it? It is. But, yeah, I, it was, I was always a little bit like, oh, I, I don't know if I um, want to spend that. But we've just kind of always gambled, you know, I suppose is the word. Is, yeah. You know what? Let's just try it and let's spend 50 quid on an advert and see if it works. Let's, you know, the, the, one of the biggest things we did was um, – spending money on a photo shoot really, really early on and we spent some money on a London Underground advert um, mm. last, when was it? I think it was like January la- last year. So like a year and a That was half. really early, it was yeah. Really early. It was like a year and a half ago and we got a really good deal because it was last minute but we had like 22 posters up on the London Underground. Wow. We, do you know what? We It cost a fortune but we were like, it, I don't know, it's hard because you can't measure something like that, but yeah. we just we just gambled and went, you know what, let's just spend some money on it, see what happens. And did you and did you see a return? I know, as you said, it's not measurable, but did you yeah. see a tick? It's hard yeah. to say because the growth's just been kind of on the up anyway, so it's like, did it, did it 
boost that. I mean, it might have done, it might have gave us, certainly London's always been our top place for people coming onto the website. So it could have been, it could just be that London, there's more people there. It could also be because they saw that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we haven't done one since because we're, we're not entirely sure if it's, if it's necessary or not, but we've just kind yeah. of always not been too scared to, kind of gamble the money that is coming in and fighting and that's it isn't it that's yeah. it I think if you're if you're making the sales and you've got that leeway you, yeah. have, you just have to I always talk about a bit like marketing being like a buffet and just trying out loads of things and the bits yeah. that work you just do more of that don't you yeah exactly you've got to test haven't you because you, you haven't yeah otherwise yeah no that's really interesting so I always like to end on this last question which yeah. is what one thing would you say that you did in the business that made the biggest impact that the audience could try for their businesses bearing in mind a lot of them are kind of smaller and you know obviously the the revenue isn't necessarily there right now what would you say the biggest shift you had was I think I'll be honest like we did a I don't know if this will translate to smaller I suppose it still could but I don't know if you saw what we did last Black Friday um we did a we did a well I'd call it a campaign now, but I didn't know it was called a campaign back then. <laughs> and uh, we did, uh, so basically we just had this idea of what we were like, what can we do for Black Friday? We don't want to do a sale because we don't feel like the product needs to, to we, don't, we don't like kind of encouraging that sort of buying, just, no. cheap, just keep buying it because it's cheap. So we were like, we were like, what can we do? So we decided to do, um, donate 10% of, um, of the sale to, a charity that we'd chosen but it was a charity that we it was a small charity in India it was just a school that we had direct contact with the school the money went straight to the school it was like and they're a school that funded um young girls uh that would normally not get chance to go to school because not like so it's, government school in India is free but then they've got to pay for uniform books transport and, and a lot of families can't afford that in rural parts of India so the mm. girls don't end up going to school. The boys might still, but the girls definitely don't. So it's like there's this school that's open that's all for girls uh, and it's near Ishmael's village and they they buy all the books, they, they pay for the transport, they um, buy all the uniform, pay for their food and the teachers of the school are ex-students of the school. So they're all women that have, have been given that opportunity themselves and now they've come back and they're teaching these kids. And so we... We like felt really passionately about that when we when we went to the school and had a look around, and so we decided like why don't we do that? Why don't we um, donate all like ten percent of the everything that we sell that weekend to the schools? And I'm not kidding. I don't even know if our sales would have been any better had we done a sale because it was just so crazy. I think in the end it was it's two hundred pounds to send a girl to school, and we had enough money for thirty six girls. Um, wow, that's incredible. Mad. And then what happened was. But all of this, and as, as well, we'd not planned what might happen, how many might, whether it would increase sales, or we're like, let's just do it because that's what we want to do. And and but then what happened is the snowball effect was people sharing it, what we were doing, and and so it yeah. crazy, and it like it blew up, and our followers went up massively on Instagram, and like it was just like it was just mad, and I think it was scary going on like ten percent because it was our first, um, it was really our first year. Um, and it was our first big sort of Christmas Black Friday and, and we were like, mm. you know, it's gonna, well, I don't know, is it going to work? What? And it was amazing. Like, it, it really did. And it was so nice to see how many people wanted to spend money on that rather than on buying something that's in a sale. 
that's incredible so the thing I get from from talking to you is and I get and you tell me if this is right but I guess your advice would be just like you you almost approach business in the opposite way don't you so it's like leading with your heart and doing good rather than necessarily making money put something good out there and the money follows I guess well that's it I mean it, it is hard to not think about money if you need money you know like not everybody is in a um, a privileged position that they can just because I think that was it we got so used to not living on on, on very little money and I, we, we came back and I was living we were living with my parents and they were amazing they let us stay with them until so not everybody's got that that opportunity and, and I think yeah. some people need you know they've got a mortgage they've got kids they, they, they have to think about how they're going to pay their bills but I think sure. if you can and you've got that you know you, you've got that for it try not to aim for money try to you know you've got to earn enough to keep getting by but I think it's just think what what's the nicest thing I can do in this situation what's the best decision I can make right now rather than thinking what's going to bring in the most money because usually the you know the the nicest thing you could do is probably the thing that's going to bring in the money as well because like you just don't have to think about it like that it it like I love it. it just happens I think if you're doing something good and people it resonates with people then you know the money will follow anyway I love it Lucy thank you so much thank you I mean I can't even imagine how busy you are I think I'm busy but then you just the idea of how quickly you've grown you must have a crazy busy schedule so thank you so much for making time to speak to us today um thank you it's been wonderful amazing well, what an incredible story. What a couple of years. Imagine going through all that, setting up, not only coming up with the product kind of by chance, kind of, you know, traveling around thinking what can we make, but also setting up that production overseas, which I know we discussed it in the podcast, but a lot of people would kind of look for the the quickest, maybe the cheapest way of doing it. And, you know, they've really gone all in investing in the production plants and, you know, the factory and Ishmael and everything. So what an absolutely wonderful story. I think it's a real lesson about following our heart and not going money first. And I know a lot of people kind of get that wrong because they think they have to slog their guts out without making any money for a long, long time. And what that often means is just that you've got the wrong product or the wrong business. There's just the wrong fit there for you so I would really ask you to go and check out Lucy and Yak incredible company as you've just heard I've put a link to them in the show notes if you've been living under a rock and haven't heard of them please do go and check them out their whole sort of feel of their marketing is just lovely so if you go and look on their Instagram they have really really clear aesthetic on their Instagram which is just as Lucy said is like 80% customers and because They have such loyal brand ambassadors. These customers want to create amazing content for them. So very often you actually can't tell the difference between their model images and and the the user-generated content. So please do go and check them out. If you don't have a pair, go and buy a pair. You've now heard the whole story of how they're made and what a fantastic story of, you know, nose-to-tail kind of sustainability and knowing the story the whole way through so I really hope you enjoyed this week's podcast please do come and join me next week and have a brilliant week (laughs) 